God is good all the time. time. It's so good, so good to worship together today. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts will be pleasing in your sight. Oh, Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So who gets the last word in your house? Who has to have the last word? I think about uh, my professor, John Davidson, who, who preached at my church when I was a young pastor in Waco. I was out of town, and he, he drove out to the little country church to preach. He took his wife with him, and along the way, they had a quarrel. Imagine that, fighting on the way to church, and uh, there was a, a period of silence, and he realized he had made a mess of things, and he wanted to atone, but he had a a mischievous um, turn about him, and as they were driving through the country, he saw an old donkey standing out in the field, and he looked over at her and said, some of your kinfolk? (laughs) And she said, yes, by marriage. (laughs) (laughs) There is a need to have the last word, isn't there? Would you open your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21 to 24. We started something last week talking about marriage, taking the Lord's Supper together. We continue that thought today as we think about marriage. We'll uh, continue it further next week. But today, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21 through 24, submission as to the Lord. Let's stand together to read the Word of God. In Ephesians 5, verse 21, we find these words, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Thank you. You may be seated. So what is the key to marriage? We said last week the key to marriage is shaped remarkably in the contours of a cross. The story that Paul tells here is really about Christ and the church, but he interweaves it with his teaching about marriage. And what he has to say is the only real comparison for the husband-wife relationship is really Christ and the church, Christ and His great bride. So the church becomes the bride of Christ, and, and the way that Christ treats the church is the way husbands are to treat their wives. How are we doing with that, husbands? And, and the way that the bride of Christ treats Christ is the way that wives are to treat their husbands. So we have this teaching about marriage and about submission. And I just want to unpack it together with you this morning and see the reality of what he is teaching is that, that there is a symbiotic, no better than that, a synzoetic Uh, an eternal life-sharing kind of relationship between husbands and wives. And it works 
when we live out our lives the way that Christ taught us to. Spurgeon said, a home that is built upon the Word of God would be a place where angels would not feel out of place because the Word of God was central. And I know we live in a day and age that, that thinks we have moved well beyond the archaic teachings of, of Scripture. There, there are many who are post-Christian in our world. But I love what N.T. Wright says about this. He says, okay then, if, if we've got this right, then let's just take a look at the culture around us, at the fractured relationships, at the wreckage on the runway, and ask ourselves this question, don't we really need some wisdom from above? Paul gives us that wisdom. He teaches us that, that wives are to relate to their husbands in a spirit of submission this is not teaching that wives are enslaved to their husbands. He never, by the way, uses the word obey here. I know that, that uh, he does in relationship to the children and parents and to slaves and their masters. But it seems that the relationship of husband-wife is the only one that he compares to Christ and the church. And he teaches us here that in a relationship where the husband is laying down his life for the wife and the wife is, is submitting to the husband and they live in this mutual submission and mutual sacrifice for each other. God is blessed in that home and there is great encouragement. And if we're not going to do marriage God's way, husbands and wives, then I wonder what way will we do it? Is there some alternative out there that, that really will accomplish God's purposes and God's intentions for the home? Or is it wise for us, as I would say, to go back to the Scriptures and ask again, what does it mean to submit to one another, to hold each other in reverence and to suspend our own desires in favor of the other person? That's what Paul is talking about. And the first thing he says is that this is mutual, that not only do wives have responsibilities to husbands, but husbands have responsibilities to wives. And, and this submission, marital submission, is at the very first, a mutual submission. So we submit to one another. There's a relational component here, isn't there? So in verse 22, he says, wives submit to your husbands. This is not a statement of women are beneath men. This is a statement of in relationships of wives and husbands. There is a mutual concern for each other where we are not primarily looking out for our own interests first. I uh, had some beautiful years at that little country church where John Davidson preached. And I remember, I remember that when I wasn't preaching on Sunday mornings and Sunday nights and Wednesday nights, I was teaching a Bible study in our apartment complex. And most of the students were college students. We weren't married, but a young couple moved down from Ohio. The young man's name was Russ. And they joined our Bible study. And one night I was sitting out on the, on the porch there and I was just studying and preparing for the Bible study. And he came out with a bag of garbage in his hand and slammed his door behind him. And he walked out to the trash dumpster and threw the garbage in there. And then he came back by and he said, do you know what you need to teach on? And I said, no, what do I need to teach on? He said, submission. You need to tell my wife that she needs to submit to me. And I knew the minute he said it, he didn't know what the word submit meant. You've heard before, it is a word of ordering. It is a, a military kind of, of term, really, in which there is reverence and respect 
for the other person. It's that salute where the officer salutes the enlisted person and the enlisted person salutes the officer and there is this mutual respect for each other. And when he says, wives, submit to your husbands, he's actually empowering the wives in a wonderful way. Culturally, they didn't really have any power, but it's in the middle voice. It's saying to people who were not decision makers, you can make this decision. You have the power Like Christ, when his captors came to him and he said, nobody takes my life, but I willingly lay it down. It is this voluntary, mutual submission which creates the the kind of home in which Christ is honored and God is glorified. I think about that young couple who were uh, going and they were in the end of their their counseling and... uh, and when they were, they were signing uh, for the marriage license, their parents were there. It was a time of great joy. And, and the husband was signing his part. And the last part he had to sign was, it, it said, are you willingly entering into this relationship? Is it of your will? And he looked at his fiance and she said, sign it. <laughs> and he did. Well, there is a a mutual submission and to that husband in our congregation today who thinks that this is a license to become Archie Bunker where you sit on your throne of your recliner and bark out orders at your family members, you will not find shelter for that bad idea in Scripture. Instead, what you will find is you too, mutual responsibility It is a spiritual responsibility. Verse 22, uh, you do this as to the Lord. Now, wives, I know you know your husbands and you don't confuse them with Jesus. And I understand that. You, You understand they're not Jesus. But the point is, why in the world would you submit to an imperfect husband? And the answer is because you have a perfect Lord who is able to work in that relationship in wonderful ways and And I would say to you, even as I look at this, that that as to the Lord is the qualifier that reminds us that this is not carte blanche for the husband. It is uh, important for the husband to realize that, that if he forbids something that God commands, the wife has freedom not... Uh, to to uh, follow his leadership. And if he commands something that the Lord forbids, she is not thereby responsible to do that because... The Scriptures say this is as to the Lord. And our first responsibility in every home is to God. To be followers of God. To do the will of God from our hearts. And so we submit as to the Lord. It is a deeply spiritual responsibility. It's why C.S. Lewis uh, teaches us that we are to uh, surrender in this mutual kind of relationship. And, And Richard Richard Foster says about this submission as to the Lord that when we invest in our marriages, we are being obedient to Christ. That there is a spiritual relationship. One of our men said to me after our Bible study on Thursday morning, we studied heaven together, and he, he came to me and said, the closer I got to, my wife, to the Lord, the closer I got to my wife. And we were never closer than when I was close to the Lord. And when I was far from the Lord, I was far from my wife. There is a relationship here that we, we dare not miss. So he goes on to say it's not only mutual and spiritual from the very core of who we are, but he goes on to say in verse 23 that it has to do with position rather than with value. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. How important is the head to the body? Very important. How important is the body to the head? They can't live without each other, can they? And he says Christ is the head 
of the church and the husband is the head of the wife. And wherever Paul teaches this, it goes back to creation itself. It goes back to the origins and God's design of a man and woman leaving father and mother and cleaving to each other and recognizing that headship. And the Scriptures teach that where that is not recognized, where, where for instance, remember in the book of Proverbs, those teachings where it says a wife who is quarrelsome, it'd be better to live out in the desert than to live with a quarrelsome wife. In another place, he says a, a quarrelsome wife is like a, a dripping faucet. If I could put it this way, it's as if he's saying, wives, if you... If you are not submissive to your husband, you are waterboarding them like a dripping faucet. You are destroying them. And, and so he says, recognize this headship, but husbands recognize that she is your body. And he goes on to say, do you take care of your body? Then take care of your wife. Because when you take care of your wife, you are taking care of yourself. And Lewis talks about this and says that in some ways, God does this not because of the woman's weakness, but because of her strength. Because he knows that the, the woman's loyalty to her family is so supreme that there is no, there, anybody who broaches uh, or breaches that, that family or, or endeavors to hurt that family, there, there is no wrath like the wrath of a mother. So the husband has some responsibility and he may delegate many, many things. For instance, in our home, I, I recognize that Melanie is a CPA and she's very good with, with finances and books. And so I delegate that right of authority in my own life to her because, frankly, she's better at it. She does our taxes. She does all of that. I wanted to give you an example of something that I'm better at this morning, but I'm still looking for that, so we'll just move on. But there is this, it's not a matter of value because the husband and wife are equally loved by God, equally created by God, equally redeemed by God, sort of co-creators of culture together. It's not a matter of value, but there is an order, and two people can't be in charge. But let me just say, even as I say that, I can't remember one time in 26 years that I ever said to Melanie, now I'm putting my foot down right now, and you're going to do what I want you to do, because I love her sacrificially. She gladly um, defers to me in times when there needs to be an important decision made. And we recognize that relationship. And then he goes on to say in verse 24, finally, Now, as the church submits to Christ, so wives should submit to their husbands and everything. So it's a comprehensive kind of submission. I thought, how do I convey this idea of submission? And I love to interpret Scripture with Scripture. So... I found over in second in first Peter chapter three these words, and I just want to read them to you this morning. Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. What, what is it to be submissive? Is it to be a doormat? No, listen to what he says when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. That's submission. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair and the wearing of gold and jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. That is the submission that is comprehensive. It's a way of life that leads others. I, I think about one of my favorite stories in the Old Testament is the story of Abigail, who we read about in 1 Samuel chapter 25. And what we find about her, the Scripture says, I read this again this week, that she was beautiful and brilliant, but she was married to a fool. 
Nabal, her husband, was a fool. So when David and his men protected Nabal's shepherds, and then the time for the sheep shearing and celebration came, and David sent some men down, not heavy-handed at all, and just said, would you do something for us because we've been helping you and we're in desperate need here. And Nabal said, who is David? Who is the son of Jesse? And he not only doesn't recognize David, but he doesn't recognize God's hand on David's life. And so he refuses to submit to David. He's not a submissive person, but here is his wife who desperately wants to save his life. And she knows David has gone back and strapped on his sword. He's coming to take vengeance. And she goes food in hand and says, pay no attention to my husband. He doesn't fear God. But I know that God has great plans for you, David. And so I'm asking you not to harm my husband. And here is food for your men. And And she goes back home and she doesn't tell her husband that night because he's drunk. But when he wakes up in the morning, she tells him the story. And not long after that, he dies. And she ends up being um, summoned by David and becomes David's wife. And in all of that story, what you see is here is a husband who is not submitted to God, but she is still trying to save his life. But at the end of the day, there's no hope for a fool for one who refuses the counsel of God, who will not submit himself to God. So, so marriage is about all of us submitting to God and not being foolish and putting Him first. And when we do that, there is this wonderful symbiosis, this wonderful sharing of life. Robert Frost captures it in his poem, Master Speed, where he writes about his daughter's wedding. And he says, at, at its best, this mutual submission is not about going chiefly where you want to go. It's a swiftness, but not for haste. It's to live together in graceful, unforced, rhythmic coordination. I love these words, wing to wing, oar to oar. We fly together. We work together. It sounds like marriage at its best. It sounds like church at its best. And what if the husband treated his wife like a queen? And what if the wife treated her husband like the child of the king that he is? What if there was this mutuality? Couldn't we come together? I read this week about Queen Victoria. Right after she married uh, Prince Albert, they had an enormous quarrel. And he locked himself in his private apartment. And she was angry and she hammered on the door. And there, there came a voice from inside, who is it? It is Victoria, Queen of England, and I demand that you open this door right now. But the door did not open. She hammered on the door again. Who is it? The voice came. It's Queen Victoria. The door was not opened. Finally, she tapped gently on the door, and the voice came. Who is it? And she said, Albert, it's your wife. (laughs) And he opened the door. Who gets the last word in your house? Oh, let it be God. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you for your amazing love and power, for your transforming grace. Thank you, Lord, that we sinners can be saved by your grace and our homes can be redeemed. Thank you, Lord, for the promise of eternal life that we share. And help us not to ever take each other for granted or to harm each other, Lord, lest It hinder our prayers and hurt our relationship with you. Oh God, I pray that you would change our homes as you change our hearts. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.